Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray today that we would be uh, like Mary, that probably at the beginning when she saw that angel and Gabriel spoke to her, she didn't know all that would transpire for the rest of her life. Yet she stepped out in faith. She walked. We live in a world where we can easily be uncertain, unsure, and question. And I pray we have faith like Mary, that even if we don't see just the clear cut writing on the wall, we say we will surrender to you, whatever, whenever, wherever, dear Lord, because of what you have done for us, because you are our light. Pray we can do that. And I believe that we can when we look to Jesus. His name we pray. Amen. If y'all have your Bibles, uh, and if you don't, uh, feel free to grab a Bible. Uh, Luke chapter 1, getting into the Christmas story. I'm going to read verse 26 through 38. And uh, let's do something a little different today. I I was reading my devotion this morning about uh, how precious the Word of God is. And, uh, you know, we don't honor it enough in the sense of just our lives, and I'd readily admit I don't honor it enough in the sense of uh, just what it is. I mean, it's Holy Spirit breathe, the Word of God. So let's do that today. Let's stand as we read in honor of God's Word, in honor that it is power, uh, that it was uh, written by real people, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 1, and I'm going to read verse 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy." He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who is said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Y'all can be seated. Thank you for standing. Uh, Today, as, uh, as the Kellams spoke about, we talk about uh, not only the candle of Mary, but of rejoicing, that we should rejoice. Christ has entered into our world. We should rejoice. Christ will come again. We should rejoice that we can live with him forever. Things we learn in Sunday school. I am rejoicing today. I'm rejoicing for different reasons. I was thinking about it this morning. I'm rejoicing that... um, well, if it doesn't happen today, by tomorrow, uh, my wife and I, God willing, with your prayers, will give birth to our third son. I rejoice in that. 
Now, she may get up. She may give a shout-out right now. That's, that's possible. So put a little adventure into the message, you know. But uh, I'd love for that to happen. Anyway, well, I don't know. Anyway, I hesitate. But God willing, with your prayers, I rejoice about that. I rejoice. Uh, this month has been uh, a very, very exciting month, uh, both for our church, uh, opportunities that uh, are coming to us. Uh, I rejoice that Joseph Jordan, who we announced uh, last week as our discipleship leader, focusing on youth. He graduated yesterday from uh, New Orleans Baptist Seminary. Need to give a shout out for Joseph. Give a shout out. Clap up. He, he's not here, but uh, I'm going to tell him to listen to the podcast and uh, he'll hear that. But I rejoice over Joseph. Uh, I rejoice at the weddings uh, this, this month. Uh, Kirby and Christina Boatler, remember that, got married a week ago and I don't think they're here today. You can tell them they got a shout out though. And uh, Dr. Collins' daughter, Erin, there she is. She's getting married a uh, Saturday, not a week from today. I got to get that date right. Give out a shout to her. Erin, you're here. And we, it's going to be in New Orleans, so we can't all be there. But, uh, man, a lot to rejoice about. I rejoice that, man, we're, uh, we're so growing in missions, in global missions as a church. I mean, I really rejoice at that. Uh, I have 25, 26, I don't know the number, going to Honduras in January, a trip we hadn't even planned, but, you know, God provided and... We said, well, let's, let's go, and uh, just the leadership that's, uh, that's been galvanized on that, and I rejoice about the future in 13 of yet two other mission trips in July, just so y'all know, and looking at a mission trip in India in the fall, and just what God is doing, and we're saying we don't know exactly how that's going to happen, but we believe in it, and we're called to go. I mean, I rejoice at that. I rejoice in our great staff, from, from Chris leading worship team, to Jill doing everything she does, wherever Jill is. To Heisel, who keeps all of us organized. I mean, I, I rejoice at the blessings that God has given. I rejoice that God is providing. I rejoice that opportunities for permanent space are coming our way. I rejoice that this, this next year, is there's going to be a lot of, of great things, of new things in the life of Bella. I rejoice today. And I mourn today. Uh, I, I grieve today. Um, you know... The, uh, the tragedy uh, that happened Friday. Um, and I mean, people are, are moved across the world. Um, and you know, we don't, I was, we were praying in the foyer earlier, and you know, we don't see that uh, all the time. Thank God. And, but it rem, I'm reminded by there are people in the world who, who see that uh, weekly, uh, daily incidents like that. I, I think about uh, believers or, or unbelievers, just regular people in Syria. And, uh, and the war going on there. And uh, you look on the news and children are not only suffering, but children are, are, are dying and, um, by hundreds. Uh, I think about missionaries all over the world. And um, some persecuted, some not. Uh, you know, I think about our missionaries, Scott and Meg Rambo. We, uh, we don't lift them up enough. We don't pray for them enough in, uh, in Uganda. We should. Uh, so, so I grieve for, for the hurt uh, of the world. And uh, we grieve together. We come together. And, you know, somebody once asked me, well, I actually had this question asked several times. Like, do you ever, like, have a sermon prepared and you just kind of throw it out the window and God moves your heart? And I was like, no, I really don't. Well, that happened this weekend, um, honestly. Not totally, but I, God really moved on my heart yesterday. It's like, you know, this is, this is tough stuff. And uh, I was getting questions uh, both from friends and uh, friends of friends. Like, you know, if there's a God type questions, you know, look at this, come on preacher man, 
You can preach, but right here, talk about this. Well, let's talk about it. Or let me humbly attempt to. And so, you know, first thing, though, just on a practical level, um, God kind of put on my heart just to say this, you know, just on like simple. So if, if you don't get anything else, get this. Hug your children. If you got children today. You know, just hug on them. Love on them. Yes, amen, Jerry Foster. I see you over there. I hear you. I know you. Yesterday I was skating with uh, Jack. Took him ice skating. Man, ice skating's tough. I mean, like, some of you may be like, uh, who's it, Wayne, whatever, Gretzky. Man, I was like wobbling all over the place. And it, you skate on like a pond. <laughs> I mean, it's not, you know, if y'all been out there, it's like a pond. And, uh, but, so I was taking Jack and, you know, holding him. And as, as the dad, as his dad, I was saying, you know, come on, man. Um, let's not hold hands. And I want to, you know, you try to do it on your own. And so I'll, I'll stay close by. And a man broke my heart last night because I came in and I was, I was talking to Linda and she said, uh, would well, you have a good time skating? I was like, yeah, we had a great time skating. She said, well, Jack said that you, um, you know, you, you left him alone too much. And I was like, dude, like, ah, oh, right there, you know, because uh, I kind of got defensive. I was like, well, I want him to be tough. You know, I want him to do this on his own. But I thought about it and I apologized this morning. I was like, I'm so sorry, man. Just, you know, tell me, I'll hold your, I'll hold your hand, man, as long as you want. Hold your hand. Hug your children. Second thing, just practically, again, if you get nothing else, then we need to love on our family ministry. Jennifer, I don't know if Holly is in here. Holly, you're around. Holly, right back there. You need to love on these leaders and all of our teachers. Give them a shout out. Rejoice in them for the leadership. If y'all weren't here last week, we had a, um, you know, had our children's Christmas choirs. Beautiful. But and I want to just use this as a plug, man. If, if you're not serving, if you want a change of service, teach in family ministry. We need folks to love on our children more and more, teaching our children, growing our family ministry. Thank you all for what you all do. And, uh, man, I rejoice in you all. But, man, pray for our kids. Love on our kids. We're a family church. It's not just children, youth, adults. We're one family. But let's talk spiritually. What do we, what do, we do? You know, what, what do we do with this? I mean, you know, this happened a lot, 9-11, and obviously uh, it's, it's different, but yet I mean, it's like, man, what do we do? I mean, these are children, you know, they're, it's what happened. What, what do you, how do we make sense of this? I think this passage can tell us a lot. I was preaching on this passage originally, but I, I kind of looked at it, started looking at it in a, in a different way uh, as of, I guess, or thinking about it in a different way as of Friday night. And I think Mary has a lot to say to us. Uh, in her walk of faith, and, and just, this, just this scene here with the angel in, uh, and how we can grow and how we can live in Christ. First thing is, what does the angel say to Mary? There, there are really two things I want to hit there. What does the angel say to Mary, and then how Mary responds to the angel? So very simple. The angel says a couple things, and I think what this can say to us is, is one, do we believe these things? Do we, do we really believe what the angel said? It is so easy to gloss. You know, usually Luke 1 and 2, if you're like, you know, you're doing your Bible studies or small group. Well, Luke 1 and 2 is like Christmas story. It's, it's easy to like gloss over that. But there's so many great like nuggets, uh, really diamonds of, of the gospel message in these. And so just, just hit a couple of you. First off, the angel says, you know, this, this child that's born is going to live forever. His kingdom will be of no end, verse 33. Think about that. Kingdom of no end. There, there are kingdoms and rulers all throughout history. 
This child, his kingdom will never end. Never. Just, just kind of let that hang there. Kingdom of no end. Polly was talking about the first Christmas in heaven. The kingdom of no end. Kingdom that will return to earth. Heaven and earth unite. It's the gospel. Just, just saying. Another thing the angel says is that this child is, the, is God. I mean, it says most high, verse 32, what we call the son of the most high, the Lord what God will give him the throne of David. He's, he's God, son of God. That, that the child is not just a child. He's going to be in the womb, which I, I, can't, I can't grasp that. The creator of the universe is in a womb. Wow. That's heavy. <laughs> but he did. He is. He came for us. And then, to me, the most striking thing is, you can easily miss this, okay? Kingdom forever. Child is God. But the creator of the universe became vulnerable. Did you get that? The creator of the universe became weak. How do you become weak? Well, if, when you're like master of, you know, the galaxies and universe and creator and all that, and then you're, you're in the womb, and then you're a baby, a baby who happens to be born to a peasant poor family in like no man's land who will stay poor so he won't get rich and powerful, became weak. 1 John chapter 1, the disciple John is saying, we touched him. We felt him. He was a person. He was real. He wept. He ate. Became weak. But why did he become weak? Why did he become weak? As we're saying, we're talking this Advent about going from darkness to light. That there's darkness in the world. It's kind of easy, you know, to, to preach about it, but then we really see it. This weekend we saw it. There's darkness, moving from darkness to light. And today, you know, the idea of moving from weakness to strength. Moving from being weak to being strong. How can we, how can we do that? Well, like I said, this child became weak. Why did he become weak? thing is, if you want to be intimate... If you want to be close in any relationship, you got to be vulnerable. you got to be weak. Now, I don't know about you, but like for me, I don't like just love appearing weak. You know what I'm saying? Um, now, some of you may. Some of y'all just like, you know, I want to. But it's not like in our nature, maybe as Americans or maybe as dudes or maybe, you know, just type it. I don't know, whatever it is. But like appearing weak is not, it's not the deal. But then we're never going to be close to anybody. I mean, Nobody. You know, if you don't want to be vulnerable, I mean, don't get married. <laughs> and if you're never vulnerable while you're married, good luck. You know what I'm saying? But to be intimate, to be in a, in a good, deep, solid relationship, we got to be weak. The world would say intimacy only happens in darkness. The church says intimacy happens in the light. Like, you know, in small groups. Let's, let's get real. Let's share. Let's, let's get intimate. Hey, man, I'm the pulpit. I'll, let's, let's get real. Let's get, let's get intimate. Let's, let's share in our relationships. I mean, the body of Christ. We're going we're gonna to make it through 
dark times, we've got to be open. We've got to share. We've got to, we've got to be vulnerable. And so, that being said, not knowing the mind of God, but he became weak. Why? Because he wants a relationship with us. He wants to say, man, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm laughing with you. I'm crying with you. I'm opening up. He opened up his life. He, he died. He shed blood. He didn't take communion. The weakest, but he died. He became weak. Because he, he wants this intimate relationship with us. He wants this intimate relationship with you. I'd say he also became weak because I think he wants to teach us to be weak. I just said, man, it's tough. You know, I mean, it's, it's like our, not our nature to, to be open and vulnerable and weak. But if we really look at Jesus, we really look at his life, his teachings, but what he did on the cross, what he, what he went through, being spat upon, being cursed, being whipped. Maybe we can say, you know, it's okay to be weak. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be criticized. It's okay to stand strong in a faith. It's okay to, you know, take shots because we have a, a Lord and a Savior who not only was master of the universe, but came to us and became weak, and we can be weak too. And maybe he can help us see that, man, it's okay. That if we're going to have a relationship with one another, if we're going to have a relationship as a church, as a body, and if we're going to have a relationship with him, we need to be weak. We need to hit on our knees and altar. And it's not just in dark times. It's like in the good times. You know, yes, we can be there for one another. Yes, your church family is there. And yes, we love people and we love the love and all that. But we, we need to get to a point where like we know God's present. And not just when we hit our knees, but when we're in prayer. Like when we're, we feel alone and we're like by ourselves, God is, is there. And we can get weak with him and we can get vulnerable with him because we see it in Jesus. I know so, so often all of us want to be strong, but Jesus says get weak. Get weak with me, get weak with one another. Be vulnerable. And then the, the last thing would be why did he get weak? That at our weakest, he's there. He's there. I mean, I know, like, crazy to believe. Can Jesus be in a school in Newtown, Connecticut? Yes, he can. Can Jesus be with us at the funeral home when we're burying a loved one? Of course he can. Can Jesus be with us when a loved one, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a spouse, is like lost? I'm not talking about spiritually lost. But probably, I'm talking about lost in like, you know, does, does they, do they have suicidal thoughts? Are, are they leaving? Are they going haywire? What, what's going on in their life? Yes, he is there at our weakest. At our weakest. Jesus is there. Christ is there. And I know you say, like, I, mean, I got that. Do we get that? Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, all things in Him. Um, there's a quote, Dorothy Sayers. Dorothy Sayers, I don't know much about her, but I really like this quote. She said that God chose to limit us. I mean, we're limited. I mean, we, can, we can appear strong as we want. We're weak. I mean, we're, we're frail. We die. We die physically. If we reborn, new life, but we're, we're limited here. And then she said... God chose to take his own medicine. You get that? God chose to take his own medicine. 
And then God chose to subject himself to, to everything that we experience, everything that we go through from defeat, like when we lose in life, maybe it's in work, maybe it's in business, maybe it's in a marriage, when we lo- defeat, to despair, to death. And the quote goes on, he thought it worthwhile. He thought it worthwhile to go through all of that for you and me, for us. He thought it worthwhile to be at his weakest. He thought it worthwhile to do this. That's what the angel's telling Mary there, that most high kingdom never end becomes a child to be with us where we are. Moments of weakness, moments of darkness. He is there. The light will never go out. Never go out. Then it's interesting, though. I can end the sermon right there. You may say, end the sermon right there. No, I want to go on Mary's response. Because this can tell us something about our response. Or maybe how you might respond to that. Maybe you push back. What does Mary say? How does she respond? Two things. She responds in two, like, drastically weak ways. What you and I would think are just like so weak, but it moves her to strength. First, she doubts. She doubts. I know we think of like doubting as doubting Thomas. Mary here doubts. So look at this response. No, she doesn't doubt, man. She's Mary. She's doubting, okay? Verse 29. She was much perplexed by the angel's words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Perplexed and pondered. Those words, the original Greek, literally means not sure. And it's like thinking it out. Trying to figure it out. And you know, I mean, can you imagine? Here's Mary, who is probably around 15 years old. Poor peasant girl. Angel. Not just an angel, but like Gabriel. Like big time dude. Like general type angel. Like, you know, right under the Most High. Is before her. How does she respond? I don't know how, like, you would respond. Um, we're taught here not to believe in the supernatural. I, mean, I believe in supernatural stuff. But I've never seen an angel. I don't know how I'd react if I saw an angel. I'd probably respond something like, you know, I was thinking about angels and all this, and a Christmas carol just comes to mind. Y'all know me, loving some Christmas movies. And, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge, he first sees that, uh, I think it's Marley. And he says, I think you're, you know, a bite of, I don't know, yogurt or custard or something. And, you know, then he's, scr- I'd probably act something like that. Like, you know, is this my stomach messed up? I mean, never seen an angel. But, you know, I mean, how, think about how we'd react. And she says, she says, I'm perplexed and pondered. Just thinking it out. And then she doubted because he says, you know, you're going to do this. And then verse 34 said, how can this be? How can this be? Like, I don't think this can happen. Please give me some more. I am a virgin. She's doubting. See, we could easily see that as weak. I say, why is it weak? Hey, you know, we'd say, obviously, if you doubt, you ain't got that strong of a faith, you know. I mean, I remember going to Ole Miss. It was in college. I could have left out Ole Miss. I'll throw that in. I was going to Ole Miss, and, you know, I was at a campus ministry. I won't name which one. And, look, I was kind of, I'd grown up in church, and, you know, typical kind of story, questioning and all that. But, man, I was, I was looking into the Word, and I was questioning some things. And I was saying kind of like, how can this be? And I, I think I posed that exact question at a campus ministry small group. And it was like, dude, shut me down. Like, whoa, 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 where are you going with that, man? I was like, man, I'm just kind of, you know, just want to question. And 
you know, in my mind, I was like, great witness, dude. I ain't coming back. I didn't. Went to the other one. That one had prettier girls there, too, you know. Pre-Glinda. But, you know, I mean, but honestly, a lot of believers are like that. I mean, like, no questions allowed in the group. No questions allowed in the church. No doubt. You know what I'm saying? Tim Keller, who probably, many of y'all know him, I probably, I think, in my opinion, he's kind of like my favorite preacher man in, in the country. But totally different context. He's in New York City, so a lot of, like, you know, skeptics and all. But he said when uh, his church, Redeemer, started, they had tons of people, not just who doubted, but, like, explicitly said, well, you know, I'm, I'm not a Christian, but I'm coming to church. And because there was this openness to questioning. And not just saying, well, you know, you're right, but, like, talking it out and not, like, having to have a shut-down answer right then and there. And I think that's great. I mean, y'all may... Y'all may disagree. Lord, I wish Bellwether was like that. I mean, I love y'all and everything, but, you know, you start a church or you just live into the church. Church is for unchurched people. It's not just for us churchy crowd. And we need to welcome some doubt, honestly. We need to welcome some questions and pray for folks and love on folks and talk it out and think it out because doubt can lead to faith. It does right here. And doubt is weakness can lead to some strength. See, I think there are two types of doubt. And I want to show you this. Earlier in Luke 1, there's another guy who doubts, Zechariah. He says nearly the exact same thing as Mary. Angel, same angel, Gabriel, comes to Zechariah and says, Your wife, Elizabeth, is going to have a son, John the Baptist. Zechariah says, How will I know this is so? This is verse 18, Luke 1. I'm an old man, and my wife is getting on in years. I love how that, my wife is getting on in years. So, so polar opposites, Mary, virgin, Zechariah, old dude, wife getting on. Gabriel shuts Zechariah down. You know, he's mute. Nearly the exact same response, Zechariah and Mary. I mean, was Gabriel like, was it just, you know, T. Wake, was this earlier in the morning? Was like having a bad morning, and then gets you know, past it and is good to go when he sees Mary? No. I think there's two types of doubt, honestly. I think one leads to strength, other just keeps us stuck. One doubt is connected to pride. Like, no way, not believing, not going there. You know, no openness whatsoever. Another doubt is connected to humility. You know, I'm not sure about this. You know, can you help me out? Um, I got some questions. Um, you know, I'm, I, I can run with you, but just help me out here. One type of doubt keeps us weak. Another type of doubt can lead to faith. Because we just sang a song, Mary, did you know? Mary did not know what Jesus would do. Mary did not know he would die on the cross. Mary did not know. He, she's hearing all this and like... Oh, but she says, get this, this is what I'm talking about. This is how doubt leads to faith. She says, even though I have questions, even though I'm uncertain, I'll roll with you, Gabriel. Even though we have tremendous doubts when we see darkness in the world, even though we don't know, man, I don't know how this is going to play out, even though we desperately want clear-cut 
writing on the wall. We don't get it. And we can doubt. But doubt can lead to such a strong face. Like, even though I don't know, I'll step out. Even though I don't know, I'm, g- I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to risk. I'm going to share. Teach me. Help me. Please. Walk with me. Pray for me. Love me. Church family. Brother. Sister. Be group. Jesus. Help me. It's a doubt that's connected to humility that is very, very powerful. And that's what I'm talking about here. Second thing Mary does that we would consider very weak, she surrenders. She surrenders. In the midst of her doubt, in the midst of, I don't know what's going on, she says, here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. She knows she knows people can do some math back then. I mean, even though they may have been poor and everything, they could count numbers. What I'm talking about is unwed. What I'm talking about, you know, no marriage to Joseph had happened yet. And I guess then she was pregnant, or she was soon to become pregnant. She knew what happened. And said, okay, they get married, and then a couple months later, three months, four months, five months, we got a baby. So something happened. Young girls like Mary, who that happened to then, um, this didn't happen all the time, thankfully, but a lot of them got stoned. A lot of them were killed. She knew, like, I don't know what's going on here, but I'm a servant of the Lord. I surrender. I think she knew that, but she knew something was different, too. She had to, I mean, it's Gabriel. But more so than that, there's the power of naming. We're kind of struggling. What do we, what do we name our son. You know, you name your child. I mean, it, it, it is like ownership. represents ownership. Start a business, name the business. Church, name the church. There's, there's a power to naming. There's ownership. This is the one time you don't get to name the child. What it says here is that the angel says, you will name him Jesus. And so that speaks to us like if, if we are his, okay, if we're Christian call himself by his name, he names us. When you get this, radical is what surrendering is all about, though. We are his. Like he, we kneel before him, he has power over us. We say, your will be done. We say, we are your servants. We say, as the old King James Version had Mary saying, we are the handmaidens, the servants of the Lord. Whatever, whenever, wherever. And so I know we can think of, hey, we're saved. I know we can think of, hey, hey, I got that. I got my fire insurance. But do we surrender? Do we surrender? And you say, well, we don't really have to surrender. And so many of us, I mean, I live this life. You know, we straddle the fence. I get my fire insurance. But surrendering everything? But if you go through Scripture, that is the pattern. That is the way of the gospel. That is the way of God. All the way to Genesis Abraham. God says, Abraham, go. Abraham says, where do I go? He's like, go. I'm not telling you where. Abraham goes. Moses, go to Pharaoh. He goes. Disciples. Jesus says, follow me. They left everything. They followed him. There is great weakness in this passage. Questioning, doubt, surrendering. What would we, what we would think of as weakness? And the gospel is... That is the only way that we find true strength. He was weak, 
so he could be our strength. And the only way we'll get his strength is when we're weak. When we say, I don't know what's going on, but man, I'm in. I'm in. I give up. I surrender. Our life is not our own. Just putting it out there. It's, it's his. He names us. The, um, the tragedy in Connecticut, we, we see that. And we're like, you know, one, I, I don't know. Second, we're like, how can this happen? Darkness, everything. We can be very weak. And that's a good thing. That's when we come to church. That's when we look to God. That's when we get on our knees. That's when we pray. And I hope that we're not just weak at these like dark times. See, the real weakness happens individually. When we say, we really say in our hearts, I mean, this is like gospel, kind of as clear as I can get it. In our hearts, we admit uh, we can't save ourselves. I was reading Psalm 51 this morning, and it's David. And David says, there's wickedness in my heart. And David says, there's been wickedness in me even since I was conceived. We have to be at a point to admit that. And you say, no, 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 I can never do such bad things. I mean, I talked to a person this week. He said, I can never do such evil, such horrible things. And I'm like, I know this cat, and, and you cheat folks, and you gamble, and you get the best out of people, and you manipulate, and you ruin, have ruined some businesses, man. Come on. There's some there's darkness in here. But when we get to the point where we say that, well, then we realize we can't save ourselves. There's no one, two, three solution. There's no top ten things to get good with God. There's no discipline that like saves us. It is only, and again, going to the gospel, it is only looking to Jesus. Let me play that out what that means. When I say look to Jesus, it is what he has done. He became weak to be intimate with us. He became weak to die for us, to pay for our sins. And so when God looks at us, and we have Jesus in our heart, he sees Jesus. You get that? Like he, he, all of our faults, and we got some faults, all of our, our wrongdoings, all of our, our scheming, all of our, all of our thoughts. We have Jesus. He sees Jesus and what he's done. That's what we mean by the grace. That's why it's so profound. That's why we can't understand. Like, it's like, you mean nothing I do can save me? No, nothing you like do in, in our disciplined type A world will save us. But Jesus has. And we believe in him. And we kneel down and we say, forgive me, and I can't save myself. And I have to look to Jesus and what he's done to save me. That's it. It is a dark world. Praise God. Light has come into the world. And that light will never leave. And darkness will never overcome it. Will never overcome it. We can be very weak, and that's a good thing. It's on our knees when we find the true strength, when we find Jesus, when we find his grace. What Mary said, let it be for me, may it be said of us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, 
even when we have our doubts, may we surrender. Thank you for your light. Thank you for being weak. Thank you for coming to us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for dying for us, for, for taking on all of, of what we've done and thought of and is in our heart and saying, and my grace will cover it. I pray we know that. I pray people that don't would take steps to. I pray that those who don't, that we would help and we would love and we'd be open to their, their questions and their doubts and gracefully lead them to the light in this, in this dark world that has always been dark, but some moments we see it more vividly. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.